just like working out and just like fitness and sports, you don't get good at it overnight and you're not going to get to your goal overnight. And I had to remind myself of that with getting my hormones in place. So for me, it was a big, just mental shift and taking a lot of what I've done my whole life from an athlete and competitive side and just taking that competitive nature into being like, this is so important to me to eventually have a baby. All this work that I'm doing is something I have to just be very consistent about. Hey guys, welcome and welcome back to the Digest This Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Ugardi. And today's guest is Alec Treffers. Alec is a certified nutritionist and health coach, formerly worked in corporate America, and is now a new first time mama to baby girl Cooper Jean. In today's episode, we talk about how she got her period back after being on birth control for 10 years. Plus, she shares her personal advice for anyone pregnant, looking to become pregnant, or who just had a baby. Alec is such a joy, and I'm so excited to have her on the show and have you listen to our conversation. So let's get right into it. When I was healing from my severe digestive issues, I made a special digestive boost drink every five days and drink it every morning to help my stomach work again. This drink truly helped me and I talk about it in my book, Digest This, but it was a lot of work. I was so ill, I couldn't hold a job and my job was now to get myself well. I know many don't have the option to take off work to heal or perhaps just the time to make this digestive boost every week because it's pretty intensive. So I created my very own digestive enzymes made up of the same digestive enzymes found in the drink I was making. Now, if anyone is experiencing digestive issues or discomfort, it's easy to take these plant-based vegan capsules with a meal to help with optimum digestion. No need to chop, peel, blend, and freeze the different fruits I had to weekly. Now it's all in an easy capsule you can even open and pour over your food if you have difficulty swallowing pills. I know there's a lot of digestive enzymes on the market. So what makes these different than any other on the market is the fact that they only contain the enzymes you want and more of them. So it's super concentrated. No need to include 20 plus different ingredients where you may only be getting a small amount of each. I specifically chose these enzymes and wanted each pill packed with the most they could hold. There's no soy, gluten, gum, or silicone dioxide commonly found in many pills. None of the nasties, only the good stuff. If you want to grab a bottle or two or three, you can go to newsest-usa.com slash digest for a discount. That's N-U-Z-E-S-T dash U-S-A dot com slash digest. Welcome, Alec. Where do I begin? You are such an inspiration. Uh, We've been friends for quite a while now. We've been through COVID lockdown together and uh, I've just watched your journey from uh, struggling with 
you've been an open book, so it's no surprise to say that, you know, struggling with getting your period back and then obviously getting pregnant. And now you are a brand new mama and uh, just so many things. I remember when um, you you got let go from your job, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. I worked in corporate America for like, gosh, probably almost a decade combined. And then never thought I would actually take the leap on my own. And when it was presented to me, like through losing my job, that was honestly when I had to kind of make the decision if I was going to do it or not. And it was like the biggest blessing in disguise. Yeah. Cause you didn't have to make that choice. It was kind of forced on you. And so I, I kind of just kind of want to, yeah, let's just dive into it. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, and what you specialize in. Definitely. So uh, my my name on Instagram is Alec Treffs, but my full name is Alec Treffers. I feel like that always kind of confuses people. But uh, yeah, I'm born and raised in Orange County, California, but I went to school in Arizona. I'm a Sun Devil, Arizona State. I was recruited to play volleyball there and played three years. Um, I blew out my knee my freshman year, so it never truly felt like a full experience, to be honest. But I wanted my senior year not to have volleyball as basically it is a full-time job when you are playing for a D one school, it is a full-time job. And I wanted to just live out my senior year, but volleyball has always been a passion of mine too. working out, um, you know, just being, uh, being outdoors, anything fitness related. I'm super competitive. Like my husband jokes that we literally can't even play a card game without me, like <laughs> getting super competitive. So that's a bit about me as far as what I do now for work. I am a nutritionist, certified nutritionist and full-time content creator, mostly recipes, but you know, I love just being an open book and using my platform and my life as any reason to be able to help inspire and support other people through the journeys they're going through and everything I've been through from a hormone perspective, getting pregnant and now being a new mama. It's all things I love talking about. Well, yeah, you definitely are an open book and I really appreciate that. And, you know, hopefully, you know, you're using your own life to, to help others. And, uh, like we had previously mentioned, you did just have a baby, like what, a month ago or how long has it been? Uh, no, I know time's flying, but she's almost four months old already. <gasps> what? I feel like you just had, like you just gave birth. I know, right? It. I mean, honestly, some days it feels like I had her a year ago. And then to your point, sometimes it feels like I just had her yesterday. Wow. You look amazing. Thank you. And if, if anyone knows her or let me just give you, she, this girl is like, fit. Okay. She is a fit mama. If you were to look at her, you would never know she had her baby girl four months ago. Like (laughs) never, just amazing. And so how long did you wait before you got back into the gym after giving birth? And um, what was that process like? Yeah. So I would say that, I mean, it's still a progress, right? Like I still don't feel like I am fully as strong as I was pre-pregnancy, but there's a lot of patience and understanding in that process too. Like there was no expectation that I haven't set an expectation as to like by this time or this date, like I want to look like this or feel like this. It's just the baby is priority right now and being able to support her and breastfeed is also just, you know, the number one thing. But as far as like getting back into the gym and just kind of getting back into the motion of things. I started around five to six weeks. I know you technically get clearance from your OB at like six weeks, but I genuinely feel like that everybody is their best doctor and knows their body best. And around five weeks, I was just itching to pick up some weights. So I started light, but now I'm 
feeling pretty strong. Again, I'm almost 14 weeks out and I'm definitely lifting back to what I was used to, but you're, it takes forever for your core to get engaged. I will say that like my upper body strength and lower body strength feel there, but damn, like getting your core back engaged after <laughs> growing a human, <laughs> very difficult. Well, yeah. And so tell us what you mostly do in the gym. Is it mostly weights or cardio? Is it a mix? Yeah. Right now it's mostly strength training. My cardio at this point is walking the babe and I have a Rottweiler, three-year-old Rottweiler. So we go on walks once or twice a day, but something that I learned through the process of balancing my hormones and getting pregnant too much cardio for me. I know every body type is different. A lot of people can run miles and feel like their best. For me, it was a shock to my cortisol and something that I tried to ignore for a really long time because I liked the way aesthetically that I looked, but I was not feeling my best and my healthiest ironically. So for me, too much cardio is just not great. And as I just previously mentioned, my number one thing right now is supporting my babe and she's hundred percent breastfed. So I have to make sure that I'm getting enough milk supply and then mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And so if my cortisol levels are jacked up, I mean, it's definitely going to have a direct correlation on my lactation and breastfeeding. So for me, I've just been very conscious of my workouts at this point, even though I love them and crave them and not pushing myself too hard to impact hormones in a negative way. And thus, you know, having a negative impact on what my, you know, milk supply looks like. Well, I really applaud you for breastfeeding because that is definitely a choice and it is a job. Okay. I mean, obviously I don't, I've never given birth, but I, I know, I can't say from experience, but I know from just friends, family and the, just seeing what they have to do. It's like, oh, got to pump, got to breastfeed. You know what I mean? And yeah, and it does take a toll on your body and you do need a lot of nutrients. And so um, good for you for listening to your body. And I know with workouts, every person is different as far as uh, hormones go, because some people just, if they exercise too much, regardless, their their hormones are whack. So not it's not just about what exercise, but just exercising. So I'm glad that you um, know it works for your body. And um, speaking of hormones, uh, you were on birth control for a while, yeah? Oh my God, way too long. I was on it. And I mean, TMI, but this is right. An open book podcast. Go for (laughs) it. I wasn't even having sex when I went on birth control. And like, I mean, it was probably because I was a young athlete. I was like 17 years old. It was like right when I was getting ready to go to college and my OB, which I feel like almost every woman who is my age can probably relate to at the time because it was just such standard practice. It seems like I was having irregular periods and it's like, well, no shit. Mm -hmm. I was an athlete and worked out like all the time was playing two sports at the time. Like my period probably was irregular for that reason. I could have found the root issue in probably being in more of a calorie surplus and supporting my hormones in better ways versus going straight on birth control to regulate my period. But uh, I, I never questioned it. I didn't know how to, I didn't, I didn't have the resources to question and didn't know the questions to ask and stayed on it for about 10 years. 10 years on birth control. Okay. So what, first of all, what made you get off birth control? Like what inspired you to do that? And then how did you end up getting your period back? What did you do? It was, I vividly remember the day I decided to, I was on vacation with my family and my husband at the time. We had just gotten 
newly married. We got married when we were, when I was 28 and I had always said to him, like, I was open to starting a family when I turned 30. Like for me, I really wanted to enjoy my twenties and, you know, be able to grow from a career perspective a little bit more without having to feel like I was sacrificing. You got married at 28 and how, can you tell people how old you are now? I am 32. So we're in Miami on this trip. And I remember telling my husband, like, you know, it was just, I feel like it was just at the peak of when a lot of information was coming out about birth control and the negative impacts that it could have on your body. And uh, I had not turned 30 yet, but I wanted to just be preventative and seeing that if I went off birth control, if there was anything I needed to work through from a hormone perspective, so that when we were ready to try and have kids, like I wasn't fighting an uphill battle against anything. And (laughs) I mean, it ended up being a a nearly a two to three year experience of just getting my hormones in check before we were able to conceive. And so that, yeah, that was a long journey. (laughs) Okay. So that's what kind of inspired you, right? Now walk us through the journey of getting your period back and the different steps you did. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it took a long time for me to admit to myself that there was a lot of things I needed to do to be able to uh, fix my hormones, to be able to get myself in a healthy place. I think I tried a lot of things, just being like the type A personality that I am. I tried a lot of things like going to acupuncture, taking a bunch of t- a bunch of tinctures and herbal Chinese medicine. And I do think a lot of that helped, but I ignored the fundamental problems for a really long time. And that being that I was over-exercising and that I don't think I was supporting my body with enough healthy fats in my diet to be able to uh, have the best, you know, hormones, be at the best place with my hormones. So honestly, I probably masked thinking that those were things I needed to work on for probably about a year and a half. And when I finally took ownership of needing to work on those things versus just look for outside sources to fix what was going on, that's when I truly started to see change happen. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you really just went for it, you know, that there's really no pill or supplement to, to fix hormonal problems and, you know, also I know stress can affect hormones too. And if you are severely stressed. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. People don't realize either like working out is stress and sometimes stress can be a great thing. Right. But you mentioned it. It's like every body is so different and how your body responds to workouts and stress in general is just so it's such an independent thing. And I feel like so many women don't want to acknowledge that their workouts could be a a real reason as to why their hormones are out of place. And specifically, I mean, coming from an athletic background, it is so hard to acknowledge that something that makes me feel like my, it's my purpose and my passion is working out. And when you feel like you have to strip part of that away from you, you feel like you're stripping a large part of your identity away from you, but you have to kind of, there's this catch 22 of, well, do you want to get your hormones in a good place? And how important for you is it to do that and thus start a family versus continue to work out the way that you are because you can't have both. Yeah. That's an amazing point. What, what advice could you give to someone trying to get their period back or regulate their hormones? Cause I know each person is different, but I mean, if there's anything you could share. 
For me, I feel like what worked was, um, I mentioned that I felt like, you know, as an athlete, like that's a huge part of my identity. So it just took a mental shift for me instead of feeling kind of sorry for myself and feeling like, well, this isn't fair. Like, why do I feel like I have to take away the workouts? I love doing these. So I kind of just took the mental shift of being like, all right, I have spent years. I've spent a long time of putting time and effort into my sport or just fitness in general and, you know, measurable goals like against fitness. And so I then just took that mindset and was like, if I've been able to be so good about that and be so committed to goals like that, let's just take that and let's put it towards this new goal and use that like mental strength that I've had in other aspects of my life to really push myself towards this goal of getting my hormones in place. Cause it's just like, just like working out and just like fitness and sports, like you don't get good at it overnight and you're not going to get to your goal overnight. And I had to remind myself of that with getting my hormones in place that, you know, I'd go to acupuncture for a week and take the tinctures. And I'm like, why is nothing changing? Like, or I'd go for a month and I'd be like, why did I get my period back? And it's like, you know what, you just have to be consistent and you have to stay on top of the goal and understanding that like the final result is something that's so important for you. So you're not going to deter away from all those steps that it takes to get there, even if it's taking five times longer than you initially thought it was going to. So for me, it was a big, just mental shift and taking a lot of what I've done my whole life from an athlete and competitive side and just taking that competitive nature into being like, this is so important to me to eventually have a baby. So all this work that I'm doing is something I have to just be very consistent about and have a lot of patience with. Yeah. I love, I love that Alec. I also want to just add too, it's really important not to compare, you know, your journey with someone else's journey and say, well, they did it this way too. And, you know, or just comparing just what you have to do and just be like, no, this is what I have to do. And that's nobody else's business, but mine. It's so true because I have so many friends that like a a big group of us, like where I live, like we all did group training, like pre COVID, like it was one of those things where we worked out like together every day and went to this group training class. And a lot of those women are around my same age and we're trying to also conceive and they didn't have to stop their workouts. They didn't have to slow down on things. And I remember just thinking like, it was hard not to think like, this isn't fair. Like, why do I feel like I'm having these issues and these other women who I work out with every day aren't changing anything about their lifestyle and they're easily getting pregnant. So it's a very great point you bring up because just everybody is so different and sometimes it just takes, you know, extra work. And I feel like for me, it's just been consistent my whole life. It's always been something where a lot of things just haven't come easy to me and I've had to work hard. So when I was going through the hormone stuff, I almost just kind of like laughed and smiled up like at God. And I was like, of course you're making this a little bit difficult for me. (laughs) Yeah. Accept the challenge. I love it. Well, um, so now that you are breastfeeding, what does a breastfeeding mama or what does your diet look like? Because you know, your, your body is working hard. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it is a full-time job and I guess I knew that, but you don't really know it until like you're in it. (laughs) But I mean, I love it. It's the most rewarding and challenging job ever for sure. You're kind of married to a clock in the beginning. My babe's four months old and still trying to feed every like three hours while she's awake. So it's definitely one of those things where like I look at the clock and just think in hours, increments of three hours, (laughs) but to the food point, I mean, 
the number one thing for me is like, I have to be in a calorie surplus. I noticed the days where, whether it's unintentionally, like just not eating as much because I'm so busy trying to just be a mom, a wife, you know, a working, a working mom. Like, I'm like, Oh wow. I definitely feel like my milk supply was less today. I'm like, I haven't drank enough water. I definitely probably haven't eaten enough healthy fats, good complex carbohydrates and good proteins. But I think that's something that a lot of women don't want to hear, but you do have to be in a calorie surplus. Like it's hard because you, you deliver your baby and you're like, I want to get back to like pre-pregnancy and like feeling my best. And I will say that, um, you know, a lot of the weight came off for me pretty quick, just with, you know, working out or just with walking honestly and breastfeeding. And a lot of the work that I did while I was pregnant, I feel like worked in my favor in terms of my recovery, but there's definitely extra pounds that I'm holding on to where I am very much aware that those are probably necessary to be able to just support my babe in, you know, having enough milk supply. And that's something that I think a lot of women struggle to hear, but it's just really true. There's no place for dieting while you're breastfeeding. Yeah. So I love, so what would be like a typical breakfast? Like what are your, your favorite foods to eat? Because knowing you, I know you love your eggs. I love our eggs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even during pregnancy was when I really kind of got started on like this kick of, um, three eggs a day. I I've always loved eggs, but now I make a really conscious effort from a nutrition perspective to uh, have three eggs a day. There's a lot of research to show that three eggs a day can give you your adequate choline, which is so necessary when you're pregnant to support your babe's grown brain development. But I mean, I'm breastfeeding right now too. So all of that is still very much applicable. So I have that, um, you know, something else from a nutrition perspective that I started doing during pregnancy and have continued now postnatal is beef liver. So I don't eat it like on its own. I'll buy ground beef or ground bison where it's mixed in, or I take it in supplement form. And I've noticed that I just, I have a lot more energy and there's just a lot of research to show that that is another thing that is so fundamental for basically being like nature's multivitamins. Those have been like two things I've noticed within the last year that I've added that I have continued on and been very consistent with things that I've loved forever that I've continued doing, doing too. I mean, I'm a big salmon girl. I love salmon. Um, so I probably have salmon two or three times a week too. And uh, I guess on the pregnancy question, cause there's always people who are like, well, can you eat fish while you're pregnant in the concern of like, you know, mercury or even just like the raw fish thing for me, I've never had too much of a concern cause I buy quality fish, but also know too, that salmon is very low in terms of like the mercury scale. And salmon also is a good source of selenium. So in knowing that I know that selenium is a good counterbalance to mercury. So something I do like to share with mamas who are concerned, cause they're like, I love salmon, but feel like I can't have it while I'm pregnant. Um, that's something that I like to share with them that it's less concerning to eat salmon among, uh, you know, against any other types of fishes because of that. It's a great point. Yeah. And you are a certified nutritionist and, um, what, what, so what, what would be like a pet peeve of yours in the health and wellness space that you see continually to evolve? And you're like, oh, why is this becoming a trend or why is this like, why is this always in my food now or something? That's what? a funny question. Um, I don't know if it's a pet peeve per se, because honestly, what works for people, like it, it genuinely makes me happy. If you find something that works for you and it makes you feel your best and like you do you, I guess the thing that I just struggle with a bit is when there's a large emphasis on macronutrients and, um, 
I think that there's just so much value in educating yourself, just, you know, even to like just a little bit, you know, a little bit each day in terms of like what micronutrients can do for you and learning about gut health and foods that support that. And, um, just other things outside of just understanding protein, carbs, and fat, because when you do that, I feel like you look at your life, like you're a calculator that your body's a calculator. And it's so much more than that. And I have clients that come to me or even just, you know, women who message me who are like, well, I'm eating this many calories a day and I'm hitting protein here, but then they break down the types of foods that they're eating. And they're like, but I just feel like I have brain fog and my gut is all messed up. And it's like, well, look at the types of foods that you're eating because calories are not equal. And I've always, I guess a phrase that maybe is a pet peeve for me is I don't like when people say that all calories are equal because that's not true. Your body is going to respond vastly different to, you know, 200 calories of sugar versus 200 calories of protein. And, um, yeah, that's something that I guess is just, I've been, it's been an annoying thing to see, um, people struggle with. And I feel for them when I see that, because I'm like, well, you're trying really hard. You're just not working smart. No, I, yeah, that is definitely a pet peeve of mine when I see that and they're like, well, you know, two, a donut that's 200 calories, it's the same as, uh, you know, four eggs or whatever. And I'm like, uh, no. no. <laughs> You're going to feel vastly different eating those two things. So yeah, that's very cool. So you did mention, you know, eggs, you mentioned um, beef liver. I mean, organ meats are so nutrient dense. Um, And what are maybe a few other nutrient dense foods that you like or prefer? So, I mean, I think that from a female perspective, um, it's so important that you're making sure you get enough healthy fats and and protein. I feel like a lot of women are scared to eat protein thinking it's going to bulk them up. And it is one of the most satiating things that you can do. And, you know, when you're satiated, you're thus making healthier decisions throughout the rest of the day too. So you're really helping from a mental health standpoint. I've always thought when I'm eating good protein, I just feel equipped to make strong decisions the rest of my day and not feel like the end of the day comes. And I just want to binge on everything unhealthy. Um, but from a healthy fat perspective, I mean, some foods that I just feel are powerhouses or avocados. Um, I really love to include avocados in my day almost every day. Something new that I've gotten into that I feel like probably weird some people out, but I've like been obsessed with having it on toast lately is sardines. Ooh, I know. I feel like you're into them. I told, I mean, come on, there's really no limit for me. So to, I would totally do a, like a sardine toast. I love it. Like I just, I, I, I don't know why maybe I was so fearful of them for a while. Cause I mean, it is kind of weird. I'm not going to admit it. You look at it and you're like, this is like a full little mini fish, but they're so flavorful. <laughs> like, aren't they? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I'm just now getting into eating them. So not super knowledgeable about them, but the reason I wanted to start eating them more post-pregnancy is I really just wanted to make sure I was getting optimal omega-3s into my mm-hmm. diet. I, mean, I am getting it through my salmon and olive oil and avocados and stuff like that. But I really feel like you just can't get enough while you're breastfeeding to support your babe. And sardines, aren't they the most uh, like nutrient dense in terms of omega-3s out of any They're- food? They're one of the top for sure. Yeah. And I mean, because you are eating the whole fish, I mean, you're literally eating the bones, which totally safe, you know, because they disintegrate. Yeah. So, and, and it's good to get a variety of, of like sources. So yeah, like you want to get omega-3s, but are you just getting omega-3s from salmon? That's it. Like get it from different, you know, different oils and different, um, like nuts or different fish or, you know, and so get a variety. Um, 
I'm I'm still just so curious though. Like, how do you eat this toast? Yeah, I call it just wellness toast. So I do like sourdough, like a good good sourdough, good fermented sourdough, and then sometimes I'll do like a raw garlic spread on it or avocado. So then we got you know the sourdough, raw garlic or avocado, and then I put the sardines on there, and then a little squeeze of lemon and a little sprinkle of sea salt, and then I put microgreens on top, which has been another thing that. I've gotten back into since uh, postpartum during pregnancy was a little hesitant to include them. But anyways, um, I've been loving having microgreens on toast now okay. postpartum and being less concerned about just having any reaction to food or anything like that or getting sick um, because they're like 40 times more nutrient dense than like their mature counterparts. So like I mm-hmm. love buying broccoli sprouts and they're basically just, um, you know, they just taste like little sprouts on top of your toast. And I call it my little wellness toast. I love it. Yeah, totally. And totally into the whole microgreens too. Just to point out that sprouts in general, I mean, they are, like you said, they're the the mini like vitamin of the actual vegetable because they're the same thing that creates an entire broccoli or uh, whatever it, it is like cilantro or, you know, so uh, yeah, that's awesome. Ever... Side note, cilantro sprouts, whoo, they have a kick. So <laughs> I have never, yeah, I've heard that, but I have not seen them at my farmer's market. I only see pea sprouts and broccoli sprouts and there's like maybe one other. So I go kind of back and forth between the three. To your point, I really try and just always switch up my veggies and my proteins for that matter too, like you said, because it's one of the best things you can do for like your gut microbiome diversity. Quick pause, because what would this podcast be without me sharing about the benefits of my very own digestive support plant-based protein powder by NewZest? If you don't know, I co-created the digestive support product by NewZest back in 2018, and it's been a top seller ever since. Why? Because I wanted to create an easy-to-digest protein powder without stevia or fake sweeteners, without gums, and without flavorings commonly found in other vegan protein powders. Not just found in protein powders, but also so-called gut support products. And these gums and additives can actually cause digestive upsets. With my protein powder, you'll find only clean, real, simple ingredients. And I chose to add a specific probiotic known to fight off candida and help the gut specifically. This probiotic is so strong, it does not need refrigeration. And since it doesn't need refrigeration, it can also survive your body's temperature, ensuring it survives once it gets down into your belly so it can start doing its job. You'll also find L-glutamine, which has been shown to help and heal seal the gut, heal and seal the gut. Now, this is super important because the gut lining, obviously you don't want things leaking out. You don't want things seeping in. So L-glutamine can help restore the gut lining, resulting in an overall healthy and happy core. And we all know health starts in the gut. My digestive support protein is glyphosate-free and contains no gluten, grains, or lectins. It's vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly, as well as suitable for those on a candida or diabetic diet. If you want to grab a tub and start your journey to a healthier and happier gut, and ultimately happier life, go to newzest.usa slash digest for a discount. 
That's N-U-Z-E-S-T dot U-S-A slash digest. This offer expires soon, so take advantage while you can. All right, well, I'm going to have to try that toast soon. My wellness toast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, so uh, as a new mama with your first child, um, what was like one or two like big surprises that you never expected that you, you could read all the books, you can do all the training and still you're like, whoa, was not expecting this. Great question. I mean, I think for me, I read a lot of books just because, uh, I didn't not because I felt like it was necessary to feel like you needed it to be a good mom going into it, but I've just always been really into education and like learning. I just love learning. And so I think for me, it was just like a safety net to be able to just read a bunch of books and kind of like pull things from different books and kind of create my own opinion on how I wanted to go into parenting. But I feel like the biggest thing that I took away was while I was pregnant, I felt very overwhelmed and triggered by all the things I thought I needed to buy. Like, I mean, I always knew babies needed things and that you're going to build out a nursery. I think being on social media and just being in that world and having a lot of friends that are quote unquote influencers or creators, and I follow them who are maybe on the same journey too. I felt very overwhelmed and triggered at some points being like, Mm -hmm. I don't have half the that they have. And I wasn't planning on getting that stuff. And now do I feel like I'm not prepared enough or I'm not going to like have enough things like for my baby. And I've now realized like getting into it. I mean, I can't speak for every baby. My, my baby, I mean, her name's Cooper, which I feel like we haven't said Cooper is not even really into toys. Like she would prefer to stare at my face and like be outside in the grass. So I'm like all these things that I was like nervous that I'm like, I don't have this. Like, I'm not getting this. I'm like, is this going to you know, is this going to be bad? I, I literally haven't opened up half the things that I bought and I didn't even buy half the things I saw other people get. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, if you really think about it, what did our ancestors use? Like, obviously they didn't have all this stuff and we're still living here today. So, right. I know. And my husband and I, like our house isn't massive. And I was like, I'm not going to have our living room overwhelmed and overrun by a million toys. We have like three in here at this point. I'm like, it already feels like there's a lot. So I have a rule now that if one comes in, one goes out. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, no, for sure. Sanity. As a mom now, actually like finally getting into it. I mean, we hit on the breastfeeding thing, but just kudos to moms who go as long as they go to. I'm four months in and I really do want to try and do a full year. That's been like something that has um, been on my mind in terms of what I want to commit to. Obviously it's kind of up to like how long she wants to do it too. It's not just my goal and my journey. It's, I mean, there's another human being involved. Yeah. So it's very much indicative of how long she wants to go to, but it is so much work. I knew it was going to be a job, but it is so much work. You're tied to a clock a lot of the time and you just feel like, I mean, we give her a bottle every once in a while, but there's just nothing like mom's boobs sometimes. And that's all she wants. And you just feel like you're stuck and you're like, I just am literally sitting here and there's nothing else I can do. And I have to remind myself that it's a beautiful moment in this time that sometimes I just need to slow down and appreciate this because it's going to go by fast. But that's hard with someone who has like a type A personality and feeling like I always need to be doing stuff. You're just like stuck to your nursery chair mm-hmm. like for hours a day. And that's very hard coming from someone who was just very selfishly independent for so long. Oh yeah. You've always been a go-getter and you are just running a million miles a minute. And, um, 
and that's why you're so successful, you know? But um, yeah, again, kudos to you for really breastfeeding. And um, there's that connection between the baby and the mother when that happens. And um, this is an interesting fact too, which uh, again, I've never breastfed, but I do know that when you breastfeed, you should um, switch the baby from one boob to the other, um, not just for milk supply, but for their eye coordination. Their heads too. My their heads. Uh, my pediatrician said you can start getting like a flat head on one of the sides if they continue to just eat on one side. Like you always think that just of when they're sleeping, that's what mm-hmm. they kind of like share in a lot of the books. But um, yeah, I never thought about it from an eating perspective too. It's like, they're always just eating on their left side and their right side is like, you know, lead up against you. You can definitely get a flat head because their circles are, and everything are just so moldable. And- they're still developing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. So I, I didn't know about that, about the head. Um, but yeah, that's great. So the head and then, yeah, the eyes, when they're looking at you and they're breastfeeding, if they're always looking at you one way, they need to look at you the other way for their their eyes. So it's just so cool how God just like really just incorporated so many things in development. For sure. Um, so if someone's looking to get pregnant or they are currently pregnant with their first, what any advice you can give someone Okay, let's see. Maybe we'll do two because I feel like that's two different demographics, right? So someone who's looking to conceive and are we assuming this person has maybe just been struggling for a while and is just wondering like, like giving up a little bit, losing a little bit of hope and they're wondering what to do next or- Yeah, let's just say this person, you know, she's having her period, like things are going good that way. Like any hope or advice or just whatever you would want to give. I mean, I feel like- Something that's really important, I guess, let's take it from like a nutritionist perspective, because a lot of women start feeling really guilty in the first trimester when you get morning sickness, that they're not, you know, eating enough nutritious food that first trimester to really support their growing babe. And something that's really helpful to know and reassuring to know is that there's so many building blocks that happen actually to you getting pregnant in terms of like your nutrient storage and like buildup. So what you're doing pre-pregnancy, if you are in a mindset of wanting to try and conceive, if you think that you want to do that soon, like a lot of the decisions that you make pre-pregnancy make a huge difference in terms of like the nutrients that you pass along to your babe before you even get pregnant because your body does house so many nutrients. Um, and that can be really reassuring to know in that first trimester when you literally feel like all you can eat is bread. And you're like, well, I don't know the last time I had protein because looking at a chicken leg makes me want to throw up right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I would, I would say that and just being, being easy on yourself and calm on yourself and being able to look back and be like, yeah, you know, I have been eating really nutrient dense food for months now. And you know, if I haven't been able to do it for the past six weeks, like it's okay. Like everything will be fine. Um, and then as far as, you know, mamas that a first time mama that's pregnant or a first time mama just had her baby. I mean, obviously I'm only four months into this, so I am no expert, but I think the saying that I use going into labor and delivery, which I learned through hypnobirthing. So I did a hypnobirthing class and I found that very, very valuable, um, is to lose, lose expectations. Like don't have expectations for how labor and delivery were going to go. And that was very helpful for me because this is a whole nother story we could get into, but I had a emergency C-section and I wanted to actually have a natural delivery with like free mm-hmm. of medicine. So I literally had opposite spectrums of what I got versus what I wanted, but oh I went gosh. into the 
experience being like, I'm not going to have expectations of how this goes. And I feel like that was helpful because again, it went completely opposite of how I had, would have liked to have gone, but I didn't have any regrets or sadness or depression about it because I truly did tell myself that like, you can't have expectations about this. And even as like a first time mama, again, as someone who is super type A, has a list, has an agenda, loves to cross it off and get things done every day. Like there are some days where I'm like, I don't know if I have brushed my hair yet today. I don't know if I have put my SPF yet on it. It is now 1 PM. And do I even bother at this point? <laughs> and I think just losing, um, losing expectations on days and treating each day just solo and being like, you know what, this day didn't go exactly how I maybe would have liked it have been, but my baby's happy, healthy, and tomorrow's a new day to be able to try and get that list done because you know, and it is just what it is. Like you don't, you don't really run your life right now. Your, your babe is kind of in control of the schedule and you just have to be okay with that. Yeah. Those are great tips. Um, yeah. I didn't know that you had an emergency C-section. Yeah. It was pretty intense. I mean, I can give the short rundown out if you would like. Yeah. Do, do share. Okay. So I wanted to have a natural pregnancy. I really wanted to be able to, uh, not for like ego reasons and not, I wasn't even dogmatic about it. I had just heard so many great things of like friends that I like close friends who were like, it is the coolest feeling in the world to just deliver your baby vaginally and feel it, like feel all the feelings, feel the contractions, all the oxytocin. And I was like, that literally sounds amazing. I guess like from an athlete perspective, it's like, I want to feel that. Like that feels like it would be amazing. I go in for my 40 week checkup and my amniotic fluid was quote unquote, very low, concerningly low. And the practice that I was at, they did not allow me to uh, bypass basically getting induced because my number was so low, um, in their minds. Again, another thing I could get into, cause I still am like, I don't know if I truly believe that that was an issue that I needed to get induced that day. Regardless, my baby is here. She's healthy. She's happy. But I got induced um, the day of my 40-week appointment. We went in for the appointment. They're like, you're having your baby today. I was like, I'm going home and showering and eating lunch. They're like, we would we would prefer if you check into the hospital. I was like, I don't care what you want. I'm going home. I'm showering, putting myself in a good mental space because I know this is going to be a marathon and I'm eating lunch. So I did that. And already I feel like, so you went home. Yeah, I went home. I was like, <laughs> my husband's like, do they hate you? And I was like, I don't care. Um, I was like, this is, you know, this is going to be a while I'm getting induced. Like, it's not like it's happening in an hour. Uh, it actually took 48 hours, Bethany. It took forever. So I tried to man it out in uh, not having any drugs for a very long time. I went um, on Pitocin, which if anyone has done it, it's like insane contractions that aren't natural feeling. They're very, very intense. And I did that for nine hours and finally like was eyes rolling in the back of my head, was ready to throw up and was like, all right, let's do the epidural. Didn't want it. To, I didn't ever want to do the epidural took a nap during the epidural, woke up, was still only five centimeters dilated, which you have to get to 10 centimeters to be able to start pushing. And then at that point, it had been close to 48 hours. And the doctor was like, her heart rate, Coop's heart rate is getting um, compromised a bit here. She's under stress. And I'm like, well, no shit. We've been doing this for 48 hours. Like I'm, st I'm stressed. <laughs> so anyways, I um, had to move into a C-section after about 48 hours but she's here. She's, she's great. Wow. I genuinely mean that without any sarcasm. I, I am very grateful that she is here. It was just, that was, that was a marathon of a journey for sure. And 
Um, I, uh, I want to have more kids and I'm hoping that maybe I am a candidate for a VBAC and being able to deliver a baby vaginally next time, but we shall see that'll be something that'll be part of my next chapter in my journey. Mm, wow. What an amazing story. And yeah, I mean, so glad that Cooper is here. She's beautiful by the way, and you look amazing. And I'm just so glad everyone is happy and healthy and it just seems like a wonderful family. So no, we need yeah. to, we need to come see. I, last time I saw you, I was pregnant. So now we need to actually yeah. meet Coop. The last time you saw me, you had like, you were what, a month in? Yeah. I don't think I had announced it yet. You had not I announced and I was it. like, so uh, I'm not feeling great. You're like, what's going on? I was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So we'll have to do another visit soon. So last question here. So what is a non-negotiable that you do for yourself every day as part of your daily routine? It could be a supplement. It could be meditation. It could be whatever you, what's something you just have to do every day? I love that question. Um, for me, it actually comes at night. I mean, I do love movement. So I feel like movement is something that I work into my day every day, whether it's an actual structured workout or just going on a walk with, you know, the dog and the babe, but, um, something that's been really important for me every night that I do, even if it's just five minutes, that sometimes it can get up to an hour is stretching. Um, I blew out my knee in college and that was, you know, a very long recovery and working through that and getting back on the court. But something that it taught me at a young age, because it happened when I was 19, is just the power in being very proactive with your recovery versus being reactive. I feel like so many people only focus on, you know, taking care of their body, whether it be massages or stretching hurt or when they're sore and being proactive about stretching is probably the most foundational thing you can do in terms of just keeping your body limber and flexible and thus supporting your workouts and just your overall health. So I lay out a yoga mat every night, whether I can be, sometimes I'm only down to do it for about five minutes. Sometimes I find myself laying there for the entire show that my husband and I watch, but I stretch every night. That's a great tip. It's also detoxing, you know? Yes. Yeah. And um, just curiosity, do you find that stretching in, at night is better than versus in the morning? Yeah. Um, I mean, I find that it helps me sleep better a lot too. Um, I think that there's a lot of power in, so there's different types of stretching, right? So dynamic stretching is a little bit more like you're fluidly moving through it. And I find that that's very helpful, like ahead of a workout to really warm my body up, but static stretching, what I do at night is really great for actually, you know, elongating muscles and really creating more flexibility. And I find that when I do it at night, it feels relaxing, which is funny that you say it's detoxing because it feels very detoxifying when you do it at night. And I find that when I do do more of my static stretching at night, I just, it's kind of my segue into like my nighttime routine of like brushing my teeth and doing my, you know, face stuff. And I find that I sleep really good when I do it at night. Great tip, Alec. And I know I said last question, but now this is the last question. And where can people find you? What's your website and all that good stuff? Oh, I love it. Um, so on Instagram and TikTok, I am Alec Treffs, and then that's two Fs. And then my website is the same. Try and keep it consistent and easy for people. It's alectreffs.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for setting time aside and coming on the podcast. Thanks, Bethany. Congrats again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Digest This. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let us know. 
If you're ever wondering how you can support me and this podcast, sharing it with your friends and family is the best way. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McComb. To email the show, message us at digestthispod at gmail.com. See you next time. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor or health team first. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of Digest This comes one of Apple Podcasts' top 10 nutrition shows, hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming, but that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resonant Media.